I want you to succeed at things that you never thought were possible, and I want you to fail at things that you never thought were possible. But I just want you to take that failure and move forward. So this morning we're going to talk about the image of black men in our society. Black men are six times as likely as white men to be murder victims. They are two and a half times as likely to be unemployed. They finish last in practically every socioeconomic measure from infant mortality to life expectancy. And some think that black men are to seem almost an endangered species. It's interesting that many people perceive black men as less intelligent, less productive, more hostile than the rest of society. event good evening everybody and welcome to the imperfect Card podcast i am your host l ray oh hold on we got echoes everywhere that's what it is let me turn marshall down immediately that will fix that should be no echoes now marshall give me sound what's up any echoes now no well, not you guys they hear something that we don't hear oh okay Should be no echoes. Oh, fuck it. Is there echoes? Don't talk about anal beads. Let me know if there's echoes. <laughs> what? Uh, all right. No more echoes. We're good. Uh, that was that, that seemed to be the issue. Um, in any event, obviously, we're going to keep the theme going tonight. Um, kind of going through different countries and talking about different stuff that people don't know about. As far as this shirt got this shirt today let me move the beads for everybody complaining about the beads um was made by one of my boys one of my old football teammates duberson if you want this shirt trench life on facebook and it's crazy because i give people a lot of advice throughout life and um i had a, a long talk with him last week just about this designing and stuff like that and he was so receptive to it that you know within five days from that point he had 10 new designs and i was like i need that right now i need that fucking shirt right now because it's amazing i don't know if y'all seen it from there but there it is black lives matter trench life it's what i'm all about the necklace y'all can't get that so i ain't going to get into that but um basically the theme of tonight is we're going to be talking a lot about haiti um kind of some misconceptions some some stereotypes going both ways and i brought in to what I consider Haiti professionals, one being Harold Roy, the other one being my friend of, I don't even, he's been my friend longer than I, I don't even been alive, for all I know, <laughs> Marshall Ocampo. Um, basically, you guys can basically give a background, Harold, you go first on kind of what you're doing now, what you do in life, and um, yeah. we'll move forward with everything and, and, and kind of go as smooth as we can. Obviously, there's going to be some fun shit because we've known each other a long time, but... Harold. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, well, say 
Hey, Elray, I just want to start off by saying just thank you for sharing your platform and let me, um, you know, have the opportunity to talk a little bit about myself and the work that I do for Haiti, a country that I love. Um, a little bit about my background. I am Haitian-American. I represent the diaspora. You know, my parents uh, migrated from Haiti way back when, um, I want to say early, early, no, late 70s, um, to Brooklyn, New York, where I was born, and I moved out here to Boston, where I was raised, and you know, so a lot of um, my, I want to say, my younger years, you know, um, and and I speak on behalf of a lot of people who are who are diaspora, who are first generation, you know, I grew up in a household where my grandparents raised me, did a lot of the childbearing, and so a lot I, know, I learned a lot about Haiti through them, you know, through their lens and the stories that they would tell me. And, you know, some of the things that are great and some of the things that weren't too great, you know, which kind of delayed me from going to Haiti and experience it for myself. Um, and so to fast forward a little bit, my first experience uh, visiting Haiti was during, uh, I want to say January 8th is when I went down. My grandfather had passed away. And so the last day that I was there, I was actually getting ready to leave to go back to, to go back home. You know, after having the time of my life, you know, being the first time being down there. I was at the airport when the earthquake took place, and so that kind of changed, uh, you know, my like my perspective. You know what I mean? That me wanted to go back and help out, and so my ambition and my passion, my newfound passion, has been to uh, go to Haiti and, and train in disaster preparedness and basic first aid, and um, and do so with people who are just as much as passionate as I am in doing the work. I like that pick, right? Thanks for sharing it. Um, you know, so I've been to Haiti, I want to say over 20 times going down there, um, you know, doing what I do, what I like to do, which is to teach. Um, you know, in the course of that time, I've had the opportunity to, to travel across the world. I've worked with Project Hope in the Bahamas during the, after the um, hurricane that hit there. I've been to Costa Rica for the first time last year with, uh, with Ray. So that was a wonderful experience. Um, you know, I've been doing a lot of... Um, since COVID, been doing a lot of work here in Boston, where we've been, um, you know, doing virtual trainings for Boston schools on disaster preparedness and basic first aid, um, and also, um, you know, going into different communities throughout the Boston area and doing the same. You were so, I mean, um, I, not to cut you off, but you were. You said you were in Haiti um, during the first earthquake. Yeah, during the earthquake, 2010 earthquake. Yeah. Oh, shit. I was there. Yeah, I was actually at the <laughs> airport getting ready to board my flight to go back home. Um, and that whole thing and that whole experience took place. And so what happened was we was at the airport, the whole building started to shake and we ran out towards the tarmac and um and that's when we found out it was a it was an earthquake. And after a few hours of um, aftershocks and that's when we got on the air airplane, the air, American Airlines, after pleading with them to take us back to the States, we finally got on and, and went back to uh, Miami. And um, you know, my parents are still there, my mom, uh, my my uncles was there. Um, it was four days until I heard heard anything from them, and so the fourth day I heard from someone from France that called me and said, "Hey, they're fine, you know." But we did lose a couple of family members, and since and since then, my passion has been to go back and and teach and train. You know, it's been it's been my thing. Certainly, certainly. Um, so I mean, getting into the show was supposed to be an episode with just Harold. We were going to talk a lot about Haiti, but then I remembered this picture put it up for y'all we were all in costa rica as yeah. you see harold in that picture you see 
my boy McNally that jumps over people, Tomlinson, and, and then my other man, Jeff Similian, who's actually going to be in a future episode. And I said to them, where is Marshall at? And they were like, what you mean? I was like, Marshall's Haitian Haitian. Y'all motherfuckers ain't Haitian yeah. Haitian. <laughs> no disrespect, <laughs> but Marshall still has a Haitian passport. He actually got held in the airport on the way to this event in Costa Rica because of his Haitian passport. Everywhere I travel. So <laughs> I said, let me get Harold some backup just in case we get some people that want to jump in and talk some trash. And say, this ain't a real Haitian uh, you know, podcast about Haiti. So Marshall, some background on you, my friend. Oh man, where do I start? So uh, I was so uh, like Raymond mentioned, I was born in Haiti um, to a Haitian black mother and to a Chilean father, um, a white father. And uh, I left when I was two. I was raised in Chile in South America, and uh, I left there when I was six and been to the states. Well, when I was seven and been to the states ever since. Um, the last time I was there, it was actually just last year. Uh, I was I was I was there pretty recent. Um, kind of traveled a bit through the peninsula, um, and uh, it was it was definitely it's far more beautiful than the the trip I, I made over there before that, um, where things were a little you know shaky. That was in twenty, that was in two thousand and six, and before that, it was in ninety eight. Uh, when I was there, and so, um, yeah, it's it's definitely it's been quite it's been quite uh, you know uh, eye opening to see how people still kind of like look at me as not being Haitian just because of the skin color. Well, but, I mean, um, so we'll, we're we're definitely going to get into all of that, but like as yeah. far as what you're doing now, what are you up to now? You guys are doing oh, crazy shit with your wow. internet, like. So I teach. Man, well, I just teach. Did disappeared. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Go ahead. So I teach. Um, I've, I've been in BPS for about. I was in BPS for a good five, five years, and kind of like transitioned out. I'm still teaching, but now I'm in a charter school, uh, and uh, I'm still serving inner city youth and kind of like championing the cause um, in the best way possible. So, yeah, that's what I've been doing for the past weeks here now. Okay, so um, like I said before, I, I touched on it, and, and, and a question to you, Harold, is do you see a lot of, like, your American discrimination? Because I know I see a lot, especially, like, my wife talks about it a lot with, with Puerto Ricans. Like, if, if Puerto Ricans are in New York, Puerto Ricans in Puerto Rico just go, oh, you ain't Puerto Rican. Yeah, uh, so, I mean, <clears throat> so my first, so when I, all right, so to be honest with you, yeah, I mean, when I first got to Haiti, I mean, it was just like, I, I guess I had a Westernist swag, you know what I mean? Like, the way I dressed, the way I talked. I remember an incident, I got out of the car because it was just too hot. We were sardine in this car and I decided to walk because it was only a, a mile away. I got out and then all you heard people saying, blunt, 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 if you know what it means, means white, you know what I mean? So I was like, I didn't think they were talking about me. I know Marshall knows what it means. <laughs> Yeah, so I was like shocked. I was like, this kid came up. He's like, blah, blah, pointing at me. I was like, what is he talking about? And I started talking to him in Creole, but I guess, you know, back then my Creole wasn't all that good. And it was just like, wow, this, 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 they just see me as blonde, you know what I mean? And and um, it took me, at first I was mad, but at, at secondly, I mean, I, I, I got over it. And the fact that, you know, I got to understand where I'm coming from. You know, I'm not, I wasn't born there. 
I have, um, you know, at the end of the day, I get to go home to the U.S. where, to them, life is good. You know what I mean? And so I looked at it at that that perspective. So. Okay. Um, but there are there are some blue eyed blonde blonde hair um, Haitians. Listen, hey, hey, man, stop! You fucking up the whole episode. Stop, stop that shit! <laughs> God damn it! Put it out. <laughs> Marshall looks like motherfucking John Turturro. <laughs> so, so question to you, Marshall: What are some of the biggest um, stereotypes that there are in terms of Haitians, like of Haitians? Of Haitians? Um, oh my gosh! Where do we start? Uh, you know, it's interesting. I would have thought that. So there are there is this kind of like longstanding stereotypes about Haitians not um, not really like they they work hard. It's weird, but that's only particular to like certain regions. Like you know they they always say Haitians don't like they work they work their you know their their asses off um, constantly. Like they don't they're not on like welfare yada yada. But then I go to certain places and then I hear that just the opposite. Like they're no different from from African Americans and Haitians pride themselves in like. Not, not trying being African American. Exactly. <laughs> not being African American. So African American it's like the lowest thing. In fact, I remember I mean, you know, we growing up together, my mom used to tell me, it's like, remember, when you are Haitian, you're not African American. She's like, if I see you pull your pants down, I'll beat your ass. <laughs> so so was, yeah, that's, that's that's the one thing. Um, <laughs> And also the other one, the general stereotype is that you know Haiti's like no different from from Africa, which is a bunch of like destitute people, just broke as hell, and you know they're they're just oh they're hustlers. Uh, that's probably the one that I, I hear the most. Like they they just hustle. Um, so so not hustling in terms of like the African American term hustling, where like you're you're out in the street and just you know like drug dealing. But hustling in terms of like whatever. You yeah, we know what hustle. We, we we know we know what it is. I mean, I'm not Haitian. I don't think hustling is drug dealing. <laughs> <laughs> what what you got for stereotypes, Harold? Stereotypes. I mean, yeah. I mean, I mean, off going off what Marshall said. I mean, it's just like yeah. I mean, we're we can recognize as um, hardworking, you know, hardworking group of individuals. But um, you know the stereotypes. I mean, I think the transition it's it's transitioned over the years. You know, me growing up, it wasn't cool to be Haitian. You know, when I was young. I, Why I not? Give me first... the stere- Give me those when you was young stereotypes. I got ten of oh, them. So, so I mean, y'all acting like so these shits don't Marshall, exist. Marshall, remember remember that say Santi Mayas? Yeah, I was Santi Mayas. Yeah, right. So you know how where that came from. So. Uh, a little that that terminology came from when the uh, U.S. had occupied Haiti. I think it was like for like 15 years. 19, yeah, it was 1915 to uh, 1937. Yeah, and yeah. so and so they the Americans would make fun of the Haitians and be like Santi and be like Santi means smell, and then they would add my ass, right? Ah. So that's where the terminology came from, Santi my ass. And I'm like, some people would say it and just like, yo, you don't even know where the terminology come from, you know? And so that's, that, that kind of stuck. And you, got, you go to high school, Haitian body order, you know? So you definitely went through a phase growing up. I mean, for me growing up as a kid, it wasn't cool to be Haitian. I mean, I was very proud. I was always getting into fights, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And stuff like that. But it was definitely a phase where it was just like, dude, it's just really hard to be Haitian. Because remember, there was a big migration from Haiti 
to Florida, from Florida to New York, from New York to Canada, then now Boston. And um, is there a lot of Haitians and, in Canada? I didn't even know that. Yeah, and I did a Canada episode. Nobody said yeah. anything about Haitians. They just said Jamaicans oh. and some Asians. And I'm sure so the problem is they didn't know that those Jamaicans were Haitian. Nah, just, <laughs> Fucking yeah, Renee. Well, see, that's <laughs> nah. There's a big. There's a big population in Montreal, specifically. Um, you know, French is uh is the recognized um, language in Haiti. Um, but if you speak French in Haiti, you're, you're considered the bougie. But um, you know, um, but yeah, that's he's, he's gonna make a transition in Canada. In Canada, um, so it, they got a big, big, big um population, Haitian population out so there. But you? it's transitioned. Now it's cool to be Haitian. I mean, like now you got everybody rocking the flag and and you know drinking Baba Cool Ray. You know, and, nah, um, that's bullshit. Stop that shit. <laughs> Listen, yo, I'm I'm a proud Haitian. I'll tell you one thing. Yeah. It's like, like two, I, I, and I drink rum. Like, I collect. Yeah, yeah. And I will say Baba Cool is, if you get yeah. anything that's, like, below four stars, it tastes yeah. disgusting. <laughs> At least to me, but in particular. It just I, tastes I like, man, all alcohol tastes like shit. But also, I mean, we, we've had some of the best rums in, in the fucking world. So it's, I'm not even going to hold to that. But the two stereotypes that y'all obviously miss is one of the comments with Ralph is machetes. The other one is voodoo. Oh. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Was, yeah. 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 So, I mean, did you want to touch on that, Ray? I mean, no, we'll we'll move yeah, forward I, and we'll I mean, we'll touch on those other you. things. But actually, so voodoo for me was the segue, and I know Marshall's heard this, Harold, but I don't know if you have. Um, yeah. The video of Pat Roberson in the Six Hundred Club saying that in order for Haiti to fight off being enslaved, that they had to conjure black magic and voodoo so that they could do it. You ever seen that video? I haven't seen that video to be honest. You know who the dude I mean, is? He's that old time, he's the, he's that old white that. dude on like the the that Christian TV show that talks to old white people forever the 600 club I think it's called. Yeah. Yeah. And literally said that shit verbatim. And I'm like, yeah. but you don't speak to the fucking probably both Haiti and Jamaica saw some of the most horrific slavery in the world. Even mm-hmm. I mean, it's not even comparable to to to, to where, what was happening in America because they were literally using it for like breeding grounds to create what they thought was super slaves at the time. And then Definitely. betting, like they were taking pregnant women and would cut their babies out of their stomach and then would bet each other as to how long it would take for the baby to die. And you don't really hear stories about that, like that with slavery here in America. Yeah. You do, but of course they suppressed it down to a certain part. But yeah. um, for, for those type of points, it's like, I don't understand why you, as a person, would go and say that they basically conjured, you know, conjured voodoo to fight off, essentially what was the worst, most devil heinous shit that you could ever do. Um, and and for well, anybody else, just to, before you keep, go, Harold, voodoo is not even based in Haiti. Voodoo is based in West Africa. No, voodoo is not black exactly. magic. Voodoo is spirituality. Voodoo exactly. is a spirituality that we as humans have fucking completely lost. <laughs> Definitely. Um, so, so go ahead. They borrowed a lot of uh, their voodoo. Is is actually very akin to like a Nigerian a Nigerian practice. That's where um, it started. Go ahead. That's where it started. I actually, from the last episode, it was a lot of Nigerian. And, and throughout the week researching for this episode, I actually went back to Osa and said, "You know that voodoo started in Benin, <laughs> or Vodun. Yeah, and, um 
and in fact, it, it's such a state, it's really, it's so rooted, deep-rooted in the country that, um, in fact, a lot of uh, uh, Duvalier's, the Papa Doc, and, uh, you know, the, the duo, the son and father duo, um, dictators who, uh, who kind of reigned from 1959 to, like, 71. No, he died, the father died in 71 to, like, 82 or something like that when the son finally left. Uh, a lot of... A lot of his power came from essentially um, his his uh, him telling the people or convincing the people who are already kind of like immersed in the culture of of, uh, of of white magic or black magic, whatever you want to call it, um, and that kind of spirituality. He would essentially take that and use it, you know, to say that, hey, listen, I'm like not only am I an actual doctor, but you know, I practice magic, and he would do a lot of rituals to kind of convey that he's he's well indoctrinated into like the practice of practicing in magic mm -hmm. he would he would make like all these like crazy um crazy assertions like you see what happened to to john f kennedy uh he died because i put a curse on him for for you know the united states uh taking over the country for yeah. 22 years something like that so he essentially kind of like used it you know as um kind of like as a Defense and also kind of like to you know to exploit people and and the lack of education in many ways. So I think part of it is really I think part of it is a, a kind of a form of you know spirituality, but also for the people that tend to be a little less you know evolved intellectually, you could also use it as you know as a means to Right. I mean that, well, that, that, that that comes with everything. That how, how you use everything. Um, Harold, when it comes to Haiti, how is the Citadel talked about? The Citadel? Because in my Citadel? opinion, it should be seen as one of the biggest symbols of freedom in all of the Americas. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, I haven't visited the Citadel as, as many times as I've been down down here. I've, that's one of the places I've always wanted to go. Well, we canceling but, you then, uh, motherfucker. Hold on, Marshall. How is the Citadel <laughs> talking about in Haiti? <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna go, you know what? I've been to the Citadel. You've been to the Citadel. Marshall was born in the Citadel. <laughs> Yo, the Citadel honestly is probably one of the greatest works of. Of the 20th, I mean, of the the 19th century. Like when I look at it, I'm like, yo, it's crazy. Like it's on top of of this mountain range, and it was made all by. So this kind of controversial. It was. It's made. It's. I wouldn't say it's made on in the, the by the hands of slaves, but it was made by the hands of servants of the of um of the. Oh man, I forgot his name. Um, but of the three of the three rulers or governors of the country the country was split up and so you had this um you had um Desalines, which was the successor of Toussaint Louverture right once he got captured by Fran by France and got killed um Dessalines was the one who actually um he facilitated I guess like the you know the revolution in 18 uh, in 1804 and so he and he he was taking over essentially all the Port-au-Prince of what you know is Port-au-Prince, and then his general, who also equally had power, he was in charge of the North, and the North 
was absolutely beautiful. That's where Capaicien is, right? Which was in and of itself the capital of the north, I guess, empire of, of Haiti or the northern region of Haiti, mm-hmm. which was governed differently. And he held such power. Like, so he did take care of, he did take care of his, you know, of, of, of his people. But other people say that he also like ruled with an iron fist. So like he really tortured people who were like against him. And these were like black, like black followers. Yeah. And so the whole thing was built on former slaves hands, but it wasn't like, it's kind of crazy. Cause it wasn't, they didn't have total freedom. It was almost like they looked to this guy like a God. And literally what he created was like the most amazing thing, huge. It covered, you could see over the ocean and the whole purpose of it being created was so that, um, so that you could see if any any other forces that they fought off, like the British, the French, the Spanish, were, were actually trying to um, uh, make a, a resurgence. Um, okay, like, so that's that's perfect. So I, I actually I'm going to touch on that question, but first I got a question for Harold, and that question is: yeah. In Haiti, is there a lot of black statues? Because I. From my point of view, I don't see many at all. I see a lot of European imagery. No, they yeah. do. They do have they do have black statues. Um, I mean, there was the one f- uh, famous one is the Negmaon, but that was stolen and replaced um, by um, I don't know who did it. You know, someone someone has the original, which was uh, given as a gift to to Haiti. But there's that. There's plenty of statues. Um, in Haiti, but I don't know how many of them withstood the um, devastation, you know, of the earthquake. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Okay. <laughs> so for Marshall, um, to go back to basically what you were saying, and you know, obviously the Citadel being a, a viewpoint to fight off a lot of regimes, and this is probably going to let you go for about 15 minutes. Um, how did Haiti fight off a shitload of invaders and then adopt Christianity after? Oh, man. <laughs> Um, man, that's that's pretty that's pretty intense. Well, uh, so yeah. interestingly enough, man, like it's it's just like anything. Uh, you take on what you know. You take on what what you know. I mean, what Haiti knew, and this is interesting, by the way. This is not. It's slightly tangential, but it's related really to what we're talking about in terms of taking on things you know the familiar. So, do you know that Haiti took on the same government that was you know ruling it? At the time, because of Napoleon de Bonaparte, he, you know, he was an emperor. And at the time, like, democracy was kind of, like, trying to fight its way back into there, right, and the, during the French Revolution and, 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 and other areas. And it just so happens that he's like a, it's like a semi, it's a dual, it's called a dual executive, uh, has a dual executive governing system, which means that they have a parliament and they have a presidency, right, which is... Which just says a lot. It says that that's like a, one, you're right. That's like a mixture of every country that ever been there. <laughs> right. Like, that nigga over there, he's the head of security, and that motherfucker, right. he's God. <laughs> right, right. So it's like you're there. One dude's like, "Yeah, I'm emperor." The other one's like, "No, I want to be democratic." And so you had three people there. You had three people. One was in the city who claimed to be an emperor. The other one wanted to be a king up north, and then the other one who wanted to essentially. You know, espouse like democracy and, and 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 elections and things like that. He ended up trying to kill the the uh, the 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 emperor, right? 
And so with that said, what I'm saying is, is that that's all they knew. To, to, that's all they knew from, uh, from their, their ruling. Likewise, I would expect the same thing would be with, you know, with Christianity. It's like, okay, like you have these, these white people that are coming over and they are t preaching this thing. And okay, well, it sounds interesting. Like we like that. Let's kill like them and then we'll take too. that shit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. right, right. Um, but I mean, truth be told, like it's not like Christianity in and of itself. Like I said, with anything, with any religion, like you could take the good out of it, or you can manipulate it, or use it to manipulate the general public. And I think that's what it is. Unquestionably. I mean, it's not... um, so obviously, you guys both get a uh, chance to answer this question, Harold. Um, who are the historic Haitian heroes? The historic Haitian heroes? Like, names that mean? come to mind when you think of, okay, this is Haiti, these are the dudes that made it what it is today. Or women. I mean, that's that's kind of crazy. Like, you yeah. got... You so, got... Hey, hold on, oh, Harold, and you get to go, Marshall. My bad. Yeah. I mean, when it comes to Haitian heroes, I mean... Just look at the history of Haiti, like how it's been ruled by dictatorship. It's hard to kind of come up with a solid name of who heroes. You have people that came up and try to stick up against the government, and they were either ousted or, or fled for, for a better life to a different country. Um, but, I mean, as far as heroes that people actually know, I mean, ah. Uh, I mean, you got musicians. You've got people that are using their platform to kind of talk and put Haiti on the map. You know what I mean? Um, that's been my exposure to... The, that's been my segue as far as me trying to figure out and learn more about the All culture. Right, well, and, and, hold on and right there, because like Marshall about to school you. Give us some heroes, Marshall. Give us some heroes. I mean, Tucson Louisville 2 is probably the most uh, non... like. The complete cleanest hero, I guess you get like Toussaint yeah. and Aristide, probably the two that come to mind. The rest are kind of like their reputations are, you know, like probably with like all these, all these weird things. So like Toussaint Louisville too, like this guy, he was a former slave. And that's the amazing thing about it. He was a former slave um, who became one of the uh, lieutenants of of Napoleon's army, and dude, completely just you know took over and he kicked him out he, i mean he got everyone out and then finally you know the the french you know how they kidnapped him they when they were planning a treaty they cornered everyone cornered them with their uh with their uh uh what do you call it bonnets or bonnets or whatever the bayonets kind of bayonets mm -hmm. oh, i don't even know if they were bayonets maybe yeah the fuck, what else could it be nigga no, I didn't know whether it was called the or something else. I heard another term for it. But yeah, so they had him cornered, and that's how they took him in. And then definitely took, you know, essentially decided to, uh, to you know, to follow his footsteps. And then I would say uh, Ali Steed, who was actually the the president, and people didn't like them, especially you might like this, Raymond. Um Knowing your, knowing the fact that you hate Christianity, um, he hey. was. <laughs> I have white people on here. You stop right. that. I don't he hate was... Christianity. <laughs> <laughs> he was the one actually who um, who made voodoo 
uh, an official religion. And so, you know, a lot of, you know, right wing, a lot, a lot of conservatives did not like that. And on top of the fact that he was, he had a lot of programs going on and, and he was really kind of like anti, you know, anti-America in many ways. And he was, and the story is, is that he, they, you know, they had some special ops people go in there and kind of, and ousted him. And kind of like they had some kind of coup, essentially. I, and um, I, yo, to, I mean, to be honest, I never heard well, that story. But when you mention it like yeah. that, it sounds a lot like what they did to Castro. He got in. Yeah. They didn't like what he was doing. And they said, oh, we don't like this shit. But um, yeah. for everybody that's watching the Haitian, I'm about to drop one on you right fucking now. And that man's name is W.E.B. Du Bois from Boston. Went to motherfucking Harvard. Haitian as shit. W.E.B. Du Bois, if you don't know, one of the most critically acclaimed writers in the history of the world um, is Haitian. So take him on as a hero. And with that being said, that's a segue into a game I'm going to play called Who's Haitian? And Marshall's going to be terrible at this shit because he don't know any current events at all. (laughs) So picture number one, bam! Let me clean y'all from the back. Hold on one second. Oh, please. Hey, hold, hold on, motherfucker. Hold on. Let me bring it to the front so we can see what we're talking about here. We got Future, because I got to do, because we on Spotify too, so motherfuckers that ain't going to watch the video on YouTube. Future, Rick Ross, Dr. Dre. Who's Haitian? Marshall? Oh, Future. Harold? Future, but Dr. Uh, Rick Ross, he's, he flirts with the idea and say, claims he's not, so I don't know. He's, yeah, oh, Future. Oh, y'all niggas Okay, it's future. I, I, I ain't gonna play with y'all. It's future. Future's Haitian. He looks like it in that picture. But <laughs> tell you right now, it's gonna get a lot motherfucking harder. Yeah, you know that's a thing what Haitians do all the time. They they love you know they they love saying well. And just to general, let you know, everybody in the comments said Ross because Ross is claiming that White House shit. Ross is not Haitian. But number two, this is gonna be a lot harder. Kabam. Entanglement, Zoe Saldana, or Beyonce? I'm going to say Zoe. Zoe Saldana. What you got, Marshall? Entanglement? Zoe. Oh, no. Zoe. Y'all motherfuckers, huh? Okay. All right. Zoe Saldana it is. Very nice. I like it. Oh, yeah. Y'all on top of your Haitianicity. Oh, yes. Y'all think y'all got three, though? Yeah. Well, here's three. Hold on. Let me move that shit to the top. Kanye, Derrick Rose, Blake Griffin. Oh, Derrick Rose. Harold? Shit, I know Derrick Rose is Haitian. That's what you got, Derrick Rose? Yep. I I, I don't know any of these guys. Derrick Rose or Kanye, but I'll say Derrick Rose. I don't, I don't recognize any of these. God damn it. Your own racist light skinism, Marshall. It's motherfucking Blake Griffin. Blake Griffin. Jumping oh, out yeah. the Haitian gym. Gene's got it right in the comments. Oh, wow. I, Yo, the funny <laughs> thing is. His name's Gene, so he's Haitian. Mom is a redhead. I knew his mom was. I know, I think his mom is white and she's like a redhead, so I just assumed that. I don't know. Yeah, I didn't know that. They were into Haitians. Oh, I got number four. This is the hardest one of all. Y'all think y'all got it? Bam. 
<laughs> all of the above. I think he's oh, Asian. He's repping hard. Uh, so, speaking of that guy, did y'all know that they tried to assassinate Wyclef in Haiti? Why yeah, did they, they do that? I couldn't try to figure. I couldn't figure out why. I, I, I had no idea. No one could tell me, give me a good reason on why. I, well, some person told me. You know, everybody has their own stories about it. Like, one person told me that they he tried to when he tried to uh, run for office. Uh, they realized that, like, dude, like, you rep Haiti all the time, but you barely live here. And so some people just, I guess, from, you know, try to take him out based on because he's against a party. Like, he was going against a particular party of an opponent. And so I really, I mean, that's what I could make out from the conversation that what I was you, having. What you got on it, Harold? No, I, I, think it was a, I think it was a publicity stunt, you know, because uh, he was trying to, win the people over yeah i think one of his faults is why he wasn't um able to be nominated as his president was because he did they tried to get him on default of technicality which is that he wasn't in haiti for five years he was born and raised in haiti but you have to spend five consecutive years in haiti before you can be considered um yeah you hear that shit marshall yeah that's right when i was trying to was thinking about running for office down there i talk around and get shot nigga if you ain't there for five years no, but obviously the whole, the whole purpose of it was for me to spend time there. I wanted to go teach down there, yeah. um, and, uh, but it didn't work out. So but we got we I, got in the comments that he wanted the popularity more than to control the country. Yeah, I mean, I mean, think about it. You got Matili who became president. I mean, he used his popularity, a musician that that kind of took that platform and and used it to his advantage and became a president of Haiti. I mean, it's up in the air as far as. Was he a good president for Haiti? I mean, it all, it all depends on who you ask. But I think Wyclef was the same. You know, it's just like he had just too much going on. His popularity probably got him up there, but he just got defaulted by technicality. Okay. So, I mean, in, in, in your case, Harold, and especially coming off of Wyclef, because we're talking about popularity, um, I know you've met Bill Clinton before. That's what sad. is your opinion of Bill Clinton and Bill Clinton being in Haiti? And the Clinton so I, Foundation being in Haiti heavily. Yeah, so when I met Clinton, I took a I actually took a picture with him. Um, I started doing research as far as like his involvement in Haiti and in in, in in some of the history um, he's had. I mean, did you know that he got his honeymoon in Haiti? Oh he yeah, I, I mean, I know I, I know a lot of shit yeah. about what he's done in Haiti. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, he's done a lot of, of good, but say at the same time, in the same breath, he's done some some things that that kind of kind of um um stuck it to the people of haiti like for example um he had rice that was made in kentucky or kansas or something like that that was imported um came out publicly apologized about it but that um took a lot of jobs away from the farmers right and so a lot of the stuff of being imported till this day who the fuck imports rice from fucking kentucky like everybody knows that's a san francisco treat yeah he he uh he 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 sanctioned it he (laughs) He did it so that the the farmers in in Haiti um, were out of jobs, and so now we buy rice from other countries, you know. And so, I mean, um, if you look at it, Clinton's been in Haiti for a long time. He's got property in in Jacmel, Haiti. You know, he owns half of Jacmel, um, but um, 
as far as the work that he's done in Haiti is very controversial when it comes to the things that he's done, you know. So, um, but it all depends on who you who you ask. You know, he's done some good things from some people, and he's done some bad things for the country. I mean, it always um, it, it depends on who you ask in any situation yeah. because you know yeah. I'm sure there's a million motherfuckers out there that say I'm a piece of shit asshole. I'm an asshole, but I'm not a piece of shit. Let's get it right. You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah. And I mean, in the case of, and I talked about it, the conspiracy theories that are fucking factually true, that Clinton's being involved with Laura Silsby, who tried to take fucking nine kids out of Haiti to the airport. Like, oh, their parents, no, you don't understand. Mm. And then they arrested her ass. And then they sent a lawyer mm. to defend her. This is all fucking true. Um, you can look it up. But um, I think the, the the as far as Haiti or Cuba or anything that's an island I think that people don't understand how beautiful it is there uh, so they think like oh why would anybody want to be there not realizing that there's beachfront property there's beautiful beaches there's still fucking crazy views and scenery and everything and, and, and it's kind of an uncapped resource for people to um take advantage of that beachfront property and selling it back to, you know, those Clinton type people. Um, the next question being, I mean, you personally being having your own nonprofit organization, uh, but I'll field the question for both of you guys. What do you think of organizations like UNICEF or Red Cross? You and your opinion, Marshall, you can answer it first. Harold, I know you're going to have more of an opinion on it, obviously doing that type of work and interacting those people. Yeah. Um, you know, I've, I personally, I think that I've, I've, I've encountered those people. I know people. Um, everything I hear is all secondhand, so I, I really can't comment on it. Well, while than, you're talking, I'll post this ad, which is not secondhand. It's very firsthand. And it talks about how Red Cross built six fucking houses after raising all that money they did for earthquakes. Right. Public record, once again. They came back and lied, so they provided homes for 130,000 people but physical permanent homes was six right and to piggyback on that actually since you brought that up um, like I said I heard this from uh, from people who actually worked in the airports um, so they, they told me that uh, the Red Cross after the earthquake you know people were scrambling to get you know to get uh, stuff down there right uh, materials down there and food and resources and the Red Cross actually refused to go to, to land in certain sites because they knew the media was going to be there and so they made it and they made it a point to only go and supply resources in areas where they knew there'd be a lot more publicity and so I thought that that was interesting and so I mean I heard that essentially from people that actually work that worked uh, during the in, during that time in those areas, so I think you know there's definitely, in general, I mean that's just one instance, but I can't really say much other than other than that. So it doesn't look so good from my perspective. Things don't. So uh, don't, I mean, don't... Harold, obviously, and in your work, I'm sure you've actually crossed. <laughs> I just say I can't be looking at these fucking comments. Somebody said cross equals stealing money. <laughs> <laughs> you 100 percent um... right, Keon. Whether it's Red Cross or the Crucifix. <laughs> huh. Harold, I'm sure you've run into yeah. Red Cross people and UNICEF people. What is your experience in that? What do you kind of think about the way that they run? Um, so you got to think. Uh, so, so Haiti, when the earthquake happened, uh, became the Republic of NGOs. 
Um, and so there was more NGOs than actual national, um, you know, groups working on the grounds. And and with that being said, just know that when a disaster takes place, um, somebody said it perfect. You know, it's just all about it's all about you know getting the resources, um, getting money to pay off. But this, it, it all boiled down to there was a lot of overhead costs. Um, a lot of it is just you know you hear any reports now. Some groups were um, doing some sex trafficking, exploiting uh, females in, in Haiti, mm-hmm. um, Red Cross building six houses. But I mean, if, I'm sure if, if, if people did more research in different um, locations around the world, they would see that's more and more the case. You know, I mean, I think there needs to be more of a, um, an effort when it comes to involving people who are on the ground and training and educating and being sustainable as opposed to relying on NGOs that are from other countries to come down and, and give a helping hand. And that was my exposure. It's just like, I, I was just confused as far as like, yeah, we got, you know, uh, Red Cross coming down and, 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 and supposedly building houses and, and supposedly giving aid. But at the end of the day, when they leave, they do more damage than they do good. Because at the end of the day, they put a Band-Aid over uh, a massive wound and that doesn't do much. You know, I mean, that's, that's a big why part I of every, symbolism, symbolism is everything. And unfortunately, when you get that big, it's yeah. hard to go and search because they have the means to cover that shit up. Um, just a, a quick kind of rundown on what a nonprofit entails. I, everybody thinks that a nonprofit means that everybody makes no money. And that that's mm-hmm. not true. Um, it just no. means that at the end of the year when you file taxes that you end up at a zero tax balance so you can account for all the money that's there. Um, just to speak of a, a few nonprofit organizations and me being, you know, having one, Harold having one himself, that's on a small scale where I, you know, I end up raising upwards of maybe $3,000 a year and, you know, some white kid can shoot a fucking dude in cold blood out of nowhere and raise himself uh, $200,000 in a night. It's a hard work in progress for us to be trying to change the world every year where you have um, the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children CEO makes $1.2 million a year. And since Haiti, UNICEF and Red Cross have made shit very, very murky for you to see what it is. So when you go and research it, the UNICEF CEO makes somewhere in between 600K and $1.9 million a year. Red Cross is 650 to 1.2 million. And the American Heart Association is 2.3 fucking million. So you're telling me that I'm supposed to be listening to the American Heart Association telling us what's good for our heart when in actuality it's just what's good for the profitability of the most major companies that are out there um on to our next question and i guess obviously be posed to both you guys but marshall first is when you think of your haitian haitian culture what are the biggest things that come to mind immediately if you tell somebody yo this is me this is why i'm haitian um i guess i would say Lana kind of like it's been drilled on me like kind of like the the, the integrity and, and kind of like the sense of working hard um never being on your ass i think that's something you can drill on you know drill down for i don't know how long man it's just it's, it's very it's very pronounced in my family and just in general and and in the culture that i've you know that i was raised in um and I think that's what makes me Haitian, but at the same time, too, I think 
probably the, the second thing would be family. Uh, man, I can't tell you like how it's it's all about family. You always have to take care of family. Like you have to sacrifice for family. Uh, my mom consistently. I've I've now sponsored uh, my second or third cousin in Haiti, and so it's I've I've been helping out my uncle, sending money over there. My my other uncle that died um, uh, due to mysterious causes. Uh, he needed a funeral, so my family and I, well, my 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 siblings and I, um, had to like scrounge up some money to you know to pay for the funeral. That was like four thousand dollars or something like that. So I think between I think just hard work and really family, uh, meaning everything, are kind of like the two things that I said are deep rooted, at least that I find in most in most Haitian and uh, families. Okay, so I mean. Same question to you, Harold. I, and I would say, just to kind of minimize it, with those two answers, if you were standing next to a Salvadorian dude, how would I be able to distinguish that you were Haitian and he was El Salvadorian by culture? Because I'm sure there are a lot about family and work too. Yeah, I, 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 I think a sense of pride. I mean, I mean, I'm, I'm I mean, I'm, I'm very like when when I'm my people, we're very proudful. We're very proud of where we from, where we come from. You know what I mean? I mean, it's just like. If I know somebody's Haitian in a room, it says instant kinetic connection, because you know whether you, you know, experience it, you know, um, growing up, you know, living in a Haitian household, how different it is. You know what I mean, like, you know, being strict, having strict parents, and and those those sayings that you that you hear about. I think it's just you know having a sense of pride of that and a sense of family, like um, you know Marshall said. Um, you know, growing up, I used to hear we used to do cassette tapes and send cassette tapes to Haiti. You know, and then that would be ways of us listening to voices of people, you know, <laughs> families and stuff. But that was like growing up. You know, I, I used to come home and my grandfather's doing a voodoo ceremony in the living room. <laughs> oh, that's true. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And just like to me, that was like that was like, wow, this is this is this is my, this is family. This is what our culture is all about. You know, and um and and then you just have a sense of pride of that and where you come from and then you look at, look at the history and what we've been through resiliency is the first thing that comes in mind you know what I mean like um, and that's something I'm very proudful of you know very very proud perfect. perfect you know what I can't believe I thought I was the only one that shared that look at that what? Oh, what? <laughs> yo my stepfather my stepfather would do these rituals I don't know what the hell I was, it's he would put me all in white like you'd have to wear white. We covered the white through the whole like bushes, like with yeah. water. Yeah, listen, he was trying to get you good credit. Put me in the tub and like, put water. I'm like, what are you saying? Yo, this dude had he had um what was it? He had uh the it looked like some kind of like I think it was like David Starr that was on like sideways on the doors and he would kind of just pray over it. I used to just think I'm like, I don't know what the hell he's doing. I'm trying no, to I need, I need a picture of that. Yeah, yeah. I, I, mean, I need a picture of that right now. It's funny you said that. I've never shared that with anybody except for like one or two people. The fact that I was I thought I honestly thought I was the only one who's kind yeah. of embarrassed because my family actually did voodoo. I was like, oh shoot. And that's why and that's why when I say when you're in a room you got another Haitian it's so easy to communicate and connect because yeah. it's like only you guys can understand what that that feels feels but, like. So, that like? with that being said, like, this is it. This is the point of 
you know these type of episodes of the podcast these this is the point of those type of information this is this is the point of explaining to somebody what voodoo is versus what we thought it was at the time so when you yeah. watch movies and you see how they portray voodoo and and now you feel like oh shit my my own you know uncle is doing black magic when in actuality it's a spirituality that we should all have spiritual and yep. we, we we don't understand it anymore so maybe yeah, it's definitely. like we're the ones that look crazy you know definitely, what i'm saying definitely. when they got it a little bit more figured out than us, but we're too embarrassed to get in a room. And who know, like, I feel like in America, it takes you almost fucking 10 years to get over some level of embarrassment. Whereas, you know, whether you're in Africa or you're in Haiti, it's like you see kids fucking dancing and smiling at ages where they don't care what people think. And that shit is so much more important than being embarrassed. And embarrassment, I swear to God, is an American fucking trait that they just don't have along the world because people don't hate on each other that much in other places. Yeah, you know what? I mean, there's an aspect of that that I think is true, but I I would kind of like push back on that because, man, there's some things that Americans believe. Like... I mean, it's really, to me, it's no different. Like, I remember it was you who sent me this this video, and to this day, I, like, die when I hear it. Where you have, like, the church, these, like, the, the particular, these weird evangelists down south that are, like, in a Congo line, like, trying to go get blessed, and then the dude is just beating them with yeah, his... Yeah, jacket and shit, yeah. <laughs> No, and, and then and then they dubbed the video over with like uh, what is it like a Street Fighter theme? Right? <laughs> so listen, I would so <laughs> yo I, I can't I, I can find the video easily, but the Street Fighter one I can't find because he does like an M Bison and knocks everybody in the whole stage down. But with that being said, I will attribute that to what I said with Ralph in in, in my first episode, which is if everybody's singing dicks, you don't seem so stupid when everybody else is doing it. But right. I'll tell you right now, you take them evangelists and throw them in the middle of Massachusetts, people are like, what the fuck are you doing with that jacket? No, no, right. right. No. <laughs> and, I think that is, and I think that is kind of like regional, right? Like, I think that's like, there are these like subcultures in the United States as there are in like in all the countries and that are kind of like, what the hell are you doing? You know, it's usually the more intellectual people, like the more, you know, intellectually, uh, I guess, enlightened people tend to be like the ones who are a little bit more skeptical of it. But even within, like, these people, you have, like, people who do believe in spirituality. Like, I'm one. I'm, I'm definitely one. And so, I don't know. I just think it's more of a regional thing than it is kind of, like, a countrywide thing. Um, but, I mean, no, I can certainly, tell you I mean, right it's certainly now, not a countrywide thing. What is it? Like, Haitians, like, Haitians are supremely embarrassed, especially when you compare them. Like, what we mentioned, you know, the, the, the quip that I, I made about um, or that you made about um, about uh, Haitians not really not uh, in- aligning themselves with African Americans, right? In fact, even even West Africans actually do not want to align themselves with African Americans. Like the African, the worst thing that you can be is an African American. Well, that said, it's like you could, if you are an African, if you are a, if you're Haitian, and if you kind of like come from like a low middle to like a middle class family, and you're black in Haiti. Or even if you're African, and I have a lot of African friends who are like working class in their countries, you come to this country, the last thing you want to be and the biggest embarrassment is for you to be on welfare and for you to have your pants leg, your pant leg, I mean, your uh, your, your pants sagging and you just, 
kind of like uh, adhering to like the hip hop culture. So I think there is uh, some form of of embarrassment. It's just different. Like it's it's not it's not exactly the same. Um, yeah. I mean, I mean it's, I, the, the craziest thing is that we in the world are denying hip hop culture while it, it is the most popular music in the world and right. it literally is driving culture now as we speak. Yeah. Um, and with that yeah. being said, I'll move on to the next question to you, Marshall, and obviously Harold, you can answer it after, is um, is racism an issue in Haiti? Oh my gosh. That is literally the reason why the country, I think Haiti probably, coupled with other things, um, has, is really, I mean, it's really the crux of it. It's, it's kind of like the, the biggest issue there. I mean, I can't, the extent to which they've internalized their, you know, the the hatred for the dark skin is mm. i mean it's so it's so immense like i mean let me give you some examples so in just kind of i'll give you like just some not anecdotals and i mean some anecdotes and then some some kind of like general uh, information so in night in what is it like uh the dr like in 1915 or so um i can't remember exactly the date they had this dictator uh, Raphael, um, forgot his name. Uh, forgot. forgot. Hold yeah. on a second. Raphael, some D- D- Dominican Republic. Yeah. Keep going oh. with the story. I'll look it up. Yeah. Something. You can hey, tell her to come over here. I can, she can hear it. Oh, the, this is a public podcast, baby. President Trujillo. 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 Oh, Trujillo. Oh, okay. Trujillo. Yeah, Rafael Trujillo. Oh, that's the name he, of a city in Puerto Rico. No, so he's he's a, the the Dominican dictator in like the early 20th century. Like this dude was so like he was so enthralled and like so like his wanting to be white, um, and he he coveted white skin so bad and he hated the Haitians so bad. He I think ordered about like 10 or 20 thousand Haitians just to be slaughtered. Um, just on the basis oh, of the color. So even, even, um, and he was backed by the U.S., but so even like Dominicans, right? Because at that point, you really could tell because 90% of the country of Dominicans, I think it's like 80 or something, but like 80% or so of the, they have, you know, Africans' an, uh, ancestry, right? With that said, it's like you're even killing off your own because of the darkness of their skin. So that is kind of like, that is how the next door neighbor has felt for I don't know how long he was in power. I think it was like a decade or so. Um, And then you have, and then you have Haiti, who, who is, it's like, I'll give you like a personal example. Um, When I was in 2000, in 2006, when I was there for my cousin's wedding. And not to cut you off, but I I got a comment on here. It says, Rafael Leonidas Trujillo Molina. (laughs) Trujillo. Yes. So if you want a nigga to hate, that's him. Yeah. Um, he's actually the one really that they say that really started the whole trend of like dark skin. Like if you're Haitian, if you're dark skin, like you're Haitian type of thing. Yeah. Um, but anyways, like in when 2006, when I was there, I was in a top top. And, you know, I purposely, when I go to Haiti, I try to look as like broke as possible um, and try well, to fit It's working in. right now. <laughs> Yeah, man. You need to give your man half of something or something. <laughs> right. No, I try to look as much as a local as possible, man. Like I was wearing some 
mind you, I was wearing some, uh, my, obviously my hair was shorter, but I was wearing some like, some like ripped jeans and uh, that were cut off to look like capris and with some sandals, no shirt, that's it. I got on the top top and I was like, what, 24 at the time? And so I'm hanging in the back, off the back and this woman must have been like 60 years old, 65. And she literally says, oh, like you shouldn't be sitting, you should, I mean, you shouldn't be standing out there. Like you should be sitting down. And I was like, what? I was like, no, no, I'm fine. She's like, no, you sit down. I- I'll stand up. You sit down. I mean, and that, and this obviously the woman was dark, 60s and 70s. I'm a 24 year old kid. Yeah. Like I'm a young cub, just like have the you know world in front of me. I'm, I want, I love, I literally enjoyed sitting outside while we're driving. I mean, uh, standing outside the top top while we're driving, just waving to everybody and speaking Creole to everybody. I was excited and she saw it as like oh my gosh like what the hell are you doing and so that just kind of goes to show you uh, like no one would do that here right like who the hell it's like it would be damned if you got like a, a woman oh, yeah, listen man down south some some of these old ass white uh black people they might they might give their seat up for for a white dude but i mean obviously the, our experiences are different and, and somebody that's indoctrinated um kind of into what people believe is going to be a lot different than the situations that we've seen but yeah i mean that that's a that's a crazy ass story a 60 year old lady going hey you should be sitting down you light-skinned ass boy yep um another story from my mom like the the one probably the last one i'll give but um so when i was uh, when i my father's white so when i was uh uh born i was definitely fair like with like peachy blonde skin i really didn't get dark until so i'm told so like I've seen some pictures like when I was like uh, maybe one or so, um, but before I, for all intents and purposes, when people looked at me, they thought that you know I was like a white diplomat or French diplomat. A lot of diplomats that were French, um, just a kid, right? And so my mom, who's dark, you know, he would walk around and they would straight up tell her, be like, hey, like these white people, with white people, like French people, would be like. It's like be careful with with that kid, or I will I will tell your uh, I'll tell your um your boss, uh, you know, like you, you're just slacking. She's like, where do you live? They would ask her like, where do you live? Like Hawaii. It's like I've been here for like an hour or so, and the way that you 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 know you're with the kid is almost as if you know like he's yours. Like make sure that you know stay in your lane. And my mom would tell me these stories. I'm like, yo, that's crazy. And just because she had me, but at the same time. My mom, like, like to keep it real, like, my mom also knew what she was getting involved in. I think there was also an element of, like, trying to get ahead in life because she's darker. And she knows that being with a white guy is going to be, and having a kid from a white guy is going to elevate my status in society. Mm-hmm. And that's the only kind of, that's the only real assertion or kind of, like, assumption I can make when... My father is what at the time he was like in his fifties, early fifties, and she had broken up with a uh, a Haitian doctor, a black man, like a doctor. And so that said, you think a black woman, kind of like leaving a a, a black professional to be with a light skinned Yeah, because you just think, woman? yeah, that makes. I mean, it makes perfect sense. You when you yeah. think somebody. Obviously, it's more important for their color, and you're telling me that you know a, an elderly lady is giving up her seat for you. Then it makes perfect sense. Um, any for you, Harold? Any occurrences of racism when you've been there? Yeah, I mean, you, you definitely see it when it comes to, to like 
like job positions, especially working in the NGO realm, you saw the individuals, well, from what I saw, um, and, and, and not in particular groups, but universally when you saw individuals who represented like high ranks in office, they were fairly light-skinned and, um, and, and it's, it's all throughout the country. You just got to know throughout Haiti's history, um, even when we got our independence, we never got the, hand, the fair shake, you know what I mean? And so, um, in order, we were just, I want to say, the fact that we were the first black republic to, to get our independence, there was a no trade embargo, and you had uh, um, individuals who saw us as threats, and so, yeah, they would come up with these stories and these facades of saying, like, you know, um, you know, they practice voodoo and stay away. You got, you know, the Dominican Republican um, president who... I mean, I, call, I think they call it the river, the Red River or the Murderous River is where he killed and slayed those tens and thousands of Haitians. And so throughout his history, you know, it was never um, okay for uh, black Haitians to come out and, 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 and view to be on top. You know, it's always, we've always marred by some type of um, misconception and, and so forth. And so you have what you have right now. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've, I've experienced it. Um, and, and, and it's, it's, it's messed up. It's really messed up. But, uh, you know, it's something that, uh, that needs to be considered when it comes to doing work down there and, and trying to get things to be moved and, 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 and so forth. You know, especially with me, my organization, you know, having the footprint that I have, it's just you really know who the, you really need to know who the key players are when it comes to, you know, um, pushing things ahead and stuff like that. So. Yeah, um, I mean, yeah. do, doing that, doing the same type of work as you do, it, it's probably one of the most frustrating things when your intentions are straight from your I'm heart good. and as pure yeah. as they can be, and you yeah. still have to prove yourself further than that. It, it, um, and that's and that's the truth. I'm sorry, I don't mean to cut you off, Ray. Um, and that was something that I had to kind of really, really hunker down and and and, and kind of um, um, you know. You know, put that in back of my mind because it was very frustrating. I wanted, oh, I had moments of times when I wanted to quit, but you know, <clears throat> not too many people are are who do the work that I do have the good intentions and, and want to see the good and, and, and stick through it. You know, so being consistent, being transparent, and <clears throat> and letting people know what it is that you're trying to do, um, it helps in the long run. Because throughout Hedy's history, you know, they're used to being, you know, duped. Or have an organization coming in and um, exploiting them, and so when someone who comes from America, who's Haitian American, who's not really from the country, you're gonna have have some type of skepticism. You know, you're not gonna trust them at first. You know, and that's what I faced when I first rolled out Epicare, and um, through the grace of God and, and the support of people who uh, believed in whatever it was that I was trying to do, we and made the made logo. It made the logo. I appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> so, yo, so Ray, we gotta tell the whole story, man. Um, so, so I remember when I when, when me Ray, when I think we, we was at Mass General, um, working at Mass General is where I met Ray, and Ray whoa, came up with the whoa, idea. Whoa, motherfucker! See now, I gotta cut you off. Oh no, no wait. I'm sorry. Yeah, I was wrong. Oh, oh no, 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 no! You don't even get to talk now. Because <laughs> I, I certainly lied. remember me and Marshall leaving football practice and Harold yes. opening oh, yeah, his yeah, trunk. You're right. You're right. You're right and trying you're to right, sell right, us right. certain shit. Nah, nah. And I'm gonna so, keep it so, epic care professional. Yeah, so so I mean, we go way back. We go back to you know semi-pro football. You know what I mean? But I think a the a good part of our relationship and our friendship stemmed from our aspirations and our passion to do the work that we're doing. I remember Ray sitting in his little cubicle, coming up with these you know this 
to me, it's like, it was a crazy idea. Like, hey, I want to go and, and implement, you know, FTL. He's making jerseys. And also he wanted to go and, and, and start a football team in Costa Rica. And, you know, we was always supporting each other. And for, for like, fast forward 11 years later to, to it being where it's at right now, it's truly amazing. And the world needs more people like that, you know what I mean? And like I said, it's, it's, it's harder for individuals like us to do this type of work because, you know, um, you know, we have to always prove ourselves and really take it to the whole another level. But as long as you stay consistent, being transparent and and be truthful with who you are and and and, 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 and so forth, you'll be successful, man. Just keep doing what well, you're I doing. Well, I mean, thank you. Thank you. And um, you, when you said in that, that that the world needs more of us, the world needs more of every single person that's been on my podcast so far. And um, mm-hmm. the world needs more support to bring those people to the top to mm-hmm. show those people to other people so they stop making assumptions about you know people that aren't doing what they're supposed to do because everybody wants to hold up the you know the crazy motherfucker that's out there punching some old white lady in the face that's about to do like a hundred years in jail from it for yeah. instead of holding up you know people like like us three or people like everybody that's been on my podcast that are doing everything they possibly can to make changes in the world and, and improve upon those changes um, next question to you, Marshall, is uh, do you feel that, and, and, and like I said, Harold, you can answer it after, that Haiti is a dangerous country? Now it is. <laughs> so, now so, it's absolutely, yo. It, I mean, now it's crazy. Um, uh, what is it? I think the, the current president, what's his name? Jo, uh, Jovenel. I think Jovenel Moïse is, uh, this dude is, I guess, his business guy. Who um, you know? Who, who gained power? Who got elected in 2016? And he embezzled some. You know, he definitely took some a lot of the uh, some money from you know from the government. From Sounds government. like America. Yeah, right. <laughs> and uh, and also, allegedly, he is kind of like tied to like these these gangs, um, and also other sects of like government too. Like they're alleged to have to having kind of erected these gangs where the and the gangs are targeting these political figures. Um, just recently, I want to say not recently, but I guess recent enough within the past year or so, uh, these, these gangs um, who, again, are alleged to have been created by, like, these government figures, particularly him, uh, they killed, like, this, this political <laughs> activist, it's actually a lawyer, a very uh, a well, well-known lawyer. Uh, in, in the community down there um, in Port-au-Prince in particular and yeah people like lost it and then the gangs are gaining so much power and they're just kind of going around doing whatever you know they want to do with impunity and just you know getting away with it and clearly it seems like that's because they, they have like some kind of uh, tie with, with the government um, and the, uh, the uh, people in power so um, I guess um... so with going on with that I mean, because before I you know I mean Go ahead. To not to level, but uh, he also around that area. They say that you really can't go drive anywhere just because now they have like riots like every other week or so, and then you also have the coronavirus, which is obviously makes everything worse, being shut down and people just you know not have um, not not having uh, uh, like work and, and all that. So now it's bad, but before that, I would say that no, certain areas weren't all that dangerous. Um, just but, um, so, I mean, 
and I forgot to touch this uh, on the touch on this kind of in, in, in that racism last question, but and I know you said I said earlier there's a lot of French influence on Haiti, but I know you guys both know this, but Haiti paid France 150 million francs for their freedom. They're, Currently, actually, they got they got done paying it off not too long ago, which is crazy. And in actuality, at this point, France should be paying them back. So, I mean, I know I, during the World Cup, I saw a lot of, uh, of Haitians cheering for France. And I had to uh, go, hey. Uh, that's that's because, well, that's because a lot of the, the French players were Haitians. And then you saw the Haitians was like, you know, this is messed up. And they came back and played for Haiti. And guess what? They almost won the World Cup in in Haiti. I mean, um, well, not the World Cup. It was like the, whatever they call it, the CONCAC. I mean, it, it, whatever it is. Obviously, if you take your players back to your country, you know yeah. you're going to be a lot more competitive. Um, yeah. I was ta- I, I, I was going to save this for a few future episode, but something as simple as the Greek freak. If he wasn't mm-hmm. a basketball player, that motherfucker would just be the freak. Yeah. Plain and simple, he'd be some yeah. random ass black dude in fucking Greece Definitely. with an African ass name. Right. They uh, they wouldn't give him the Greek name and call him the Greek freak, and he adopts that shit like it or Mbappe. Yeah. In France, stop that shit, please. Stop that shit, because you know if he wasn't, you know, having your World Cup team win shit, he'd just be some nigga somewhere. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um. And Harold, yeah, well, you, Harold, you didn't get to speak of uh, uh, what well, Marshall. When was the last time you were in Haiti? What year? Uh, last year. Last summer. And Harold, when were you? Uh, last year. Last year. Uh, we went down with a group from uh, Mass General, a group of nurses, to do some training at a ho- local hospital. So for but, the um, for the for the the danger thing. Now, mm-hmm. and Marshall, you can kind of interject after this, but do you personally feel like you're in danger when you're there? No, I mean, I I don't. When I go down, it's just like you got to be smart. I mean, you know. Well, I mean, you're Chicago's, dark enough; they ain't attacking you anywhere. Yeah, I mean, no, it's just. I mean, all those seriously, it's like you, it's, it all depends, man. You got to do your research. It's all about personal awareness. I mean, I don't tell my family. I have a tactic. I don't tell my family when I'm going out of Haiti. You know what I mean? It's a surprise when I show up. Surprise! You know, I, I got Levi's. Yeah, I, su- I su- show up with two suitcases. <laughs> here you go. When you leaving, I'm leaving tomorrow. You know what I'm saying tomorrow, so damn, never... nigga, you just got here. But 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 to me, my security, my personal security, and and what I do in Haiti, I, I really take it to very very serious. You know, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm traveling with people, I'm traveling with groups of people, and they're under my responsibility. So I take the proper precautions. I think it gets really dangerous when you don't know anybody and you're just going out there on a limb trying to figure things out you know you gotta know that there's a lot of hungry people out there no matter where it is that you go especially when you're going somewhere where you know you're living off a dollar a a, a day you know what I mean you just know that when you go out there and you land with your your, your Gucci shoes and all that stuff you're a target I'm saying and if you're not minding your P's and Q's it's gonna it's gonna elevate and yes it's dangerous right now but it's even more dangerous for the person that doesn't really take in consideration the security or the lack of security yeah, you know what I mean? and then you can become a victim for a while i mean i remember when i was out there um i mean well there's a couple of reasons why it's dangerous now i mean there's no more u.n forces they've kind of diluted that ever since the whole cholera outbreak they they blamed it on the u.n which is which is true it was the u.n that that, that did it the netherlands they ousted them so there was a whole police force right there and then now you got a police force 
the actual Haitian police force who are on the ground who are, uh, who are depleted, do, do not, they're outgunned. I mean, they're more apt to be corrupted, you know, get paid off, you know. So when you have people out there running the streets and, and really looking for the next, the next food on their plate for their family, they'll do anything and everything to, to make sure that they get fed, you know. So with that being said, yes, Marshall is very right. It's, it's hard to be going down there right now. Because you can be, you can just become a victim just by someone seeing you get out the airport and they decide to follow your car. You know what I mean? Um, so, mm-hmm. so, but yeah, I mean, my experience has always been like, yo, it's a surprise. I only tell one person when I come down, we come down there, we do our job, and then and I'm out. You know, that's smart too, because mm-hmm. uh, that that's how they get you. Because sometimes your families, they just families. Get yeah, you know, I mean, it's extended. It could be like some, you know, fucking tenth removed cousin. It's like. Fuck Harold, I don't know him. I'm taking exactly. that motherfucker's goddamn Xbox. Exactly. No, like legit. Like they just you'll be like, oh, you know, maybe they be they may be yapping to their friends about yo, my cousin got dough, yada yada yada, and yeah. then you know, and then they tell someone else, and they just they they run you for whatever whatever. Yo, you don't have to, that shit happened to me in America. My dumbass yeah. cousin was talking his ass off, and somebody came to the house and fucking stole my Xbox and all types of shit, and I was like, I was upstairs, I could have shot five of them like <laughs> what the fuck was what, what just happened yeah I mean I've heard stories and this is really really relevant I've heard stories where cousins will sit there and tell somebody and that person will pay somebody ten dollars to go ahead because this is where that person's gonna be and where their airplane's gonna land this is what they're gonna be wearing because that's the information that they share with their cousin hey this is gonna be wearing at the airport please come get me you know what I mean right. and, and and too all too often you hear the same story somebody get kidnapped and a lot of the kidnaps would end in death certain death right it's like before it'd be like kidnapped to let you go but now it's just like nah when you get kidnapped you get the money even if you give the money it's it's nine times out of ten you're gonna be you're gonna be killed you know what yeah. I mean and so now with now with the depleted the UN it's not out in the streets um, you know you got the the president who is corrupt and gang members running the street, it's really hard to maneuver in Haiti without, um, you know, that sense of insecurity. Yeah, you basically got to watch yourself. Um, yeah. With that being said, moving on to the next question. If I was like, yo, I need some Haitian food, what is the suggestion? If I was like, yo, I need the best Haitian food that y'all got in this place, and I was either going to Haiti or a Haitian restaurant, and because you just finished Harold, Marsha goes first. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody said in the comments, shit sounds like the U.S. 100%. Right. The problem is that <laughs> we don't look at those small areas of the U.S. We don't look at motherfucking New Orleans yeah. um, where shit is dirty like that. Um, but again, we're talking about Port-au-Prince, though, just not to bring it back. But, like, we're talking about, like, rural, like very urban, like, super dense urban areas. Like yeah, we're not, it might be more dense than anywhere in the fucking world. What is it like a fucking two million people that live in Port yeah, Prison? It's supposed to be yeah, like a hundred thousand. Yep, yep. It's more. It's more now. Like so, it's like people need to to know that it's just that area. If you go out to the peninsula, um, it's not like that, right? We're talking about. Hey, hey hold on, stop, motherfucker! Haitian food. Haitian food. Little Haiti High Park is hands down probably. It's the meal. Meal. What oh, should I meal? get to eat, Marshall? Listen, what is the best Haitian thai. food that I should go get to eat? You stop, oh, Harold. Best Haitian food? You stop. Oh, I would say my favorite thing, man, is you have to try. I'm not going to tell you about the hate, you know, the, the what is it, the the um, national dish with glio and banan and piclis. Listen, However, banan is my shit. Neva. 
Legume, legume, duicole, and pickles with banan. That is hands down. So legume, which is interesting. Legume, it's a lot of people, it's it's a variation of the, it's the way that we pronounce uh, legumes. However, obviously in English, legumes means like beans and stuff like that. Legume is just vegetables, right? That's right. As, long as, no, as long as there's no tripe involved. I, when I was working at Mass Journal, this yeah. lady was like, I'm going to bring you some food. It was this old Haitian lady. She brought me some shit, and I was like, oh, okay. And this is kind of, wait a minute, this is tripe. Bitch, get this out of here. Yeah, yeah, they do that for flavoring. Like, they got some places, <laughs> some places still have that, like, southern, that, that southern style of cooking. Like, they eat, like, their own version of chitlins and all this stuff. But no, like, in general, like, get legume. And legume comes with, like, you can use, they use either crab, beef, or, um, uh, yeah, crab or beef. I've never really seen anyone else make legume with, like, pork. Have you ever, hell? I've never, it's always been crab yeah, or beef. It's with crab or beef, yeah. Yeah, crab, crab or beef. beef. So it's, you know, it's on point. Um, and then the digicole, which is just, it really is just like beans and rice, but the, it's uh, cooked together. And then um, with piklis, which is like a spicy coleslaw, uh, which is absolutely bomb with with uh, with fried plantains with tostones it's we say banan peze the same thing as tostones everything is bomb with tostones except for motherfucking coleslaw because i fucking hate coleslaw harold what you got for a meal they have mayonnaise you like this you like this okay what you you got harold yeah you better not say the same shit listen a tasso get a tasso with banan or i'll do like a dili sauce you know, with some glio, oh, or some, some or some yun. Man, listen, my mom. That's all she. Listen, I go to our house. I go. I go raid the fridge, and I come home, and that's my dish for the whole entire. Nah, week. listen. I don't want the, my mom made this shit. I want like, yo, Ray. <laughs> I just landed in Haiti. I avoided two robberies. What should I get to eat? Yeah. Now, nah, I, I mean, a tasso. You can't go wrong with tasso. A tasso with some like um, diokole, pakole. And like um, some pickles. I mean, pickles go with everything. All my Haitian people left to watch the rest of the Celtics game, so they ain't confirming this shit. Fuck y'all. <laughs> y'all better comment on YouTube. Definitely. On to the next. I asked this shit last episode to Osa, where I also. So if y'all watched the last episode and y'all watched this one, when I was talking about my Haitian friend that was, uh, his mom was hating me because I was black. That's Marshall. <laughs> she loves me now, by the way. I'll tell you that. She loves me to death. Um, Yo, that's that internalized racism. No, I'm just like, like all, all Haitian parents, man. They, but yeah, if someone wants to be, um, if someone's going to Haiti and something that encapsulated and enca- kind of encapsulates the beauty and the culture in Haiti, where should they go? Cap Haitian. Really? Not anymore. Well, I mean, hey, let him talk. Let, let Harold go. What you got? I mean, Cap Haitian. I, I, well, I mean, you can go to you can go to Jacques Mill. Jacques Mill has got a lot of the beaches. You know what I mean? Um, like, or I've been to Ilavash. Ilavash is a very, very beautiful, beautiful island. How you spell it's that? Secluded. Ilavash. It's E. It's I. I'm oh, sorry. I L L and space. Um, Love, ah, uh, Ilavash. Damn, 
I gotta get that. I'll send it. I'll send you. I'll send you. I'll send it to you. But we went out there and and we visited an orphanage, but we stayed at a resort. Uh, and oh my God, we, I'll send you the video of this the the resort that we stayed at. It was the be- It was the most beautiful, beautiful. Like the sand was white, the water was like clear blue. Like it was it was out of this world. You you would think you were somewhere else. Mm. What you got, Marjo? Mm-hmm. I know you went to a place that was like that. Oh yeah, I did. And then from Ocop. No, first of all, nigga, do you know what he's talking about? Uh, yeah. How do you but, spell that shit so I can look it up? No, I I, I, I definitely don't remember how to Y'all spell it. Y'all not spelling yeah, motherfuckers. Like, I, I L. It's right off. It's right off. It's it's like on the instead of on the. You gotta take a boat to all go. All I see is A V I S. Nah. Avis? I gotta look it up. That's Hold like on. Avis. Nigga, I'm not trying to rent a car. Yeah, I don't rent a car. I'm gonna like yes, Ralph, yo, look what Ralph just posted. It's that's exactly how you spell it. Ralph just posted the, the thing. What the? Nobody can spell that, Ralph. Fuck you. <laughs> Hold on one second, because I want to post this shit. Posted it twice. God damn it. Now, but old cop is uh yeah that used oh, to be. Oh god damn! This is what we talking about. It used to be beautiful. Holy uh, shit! It's not. Uh, have you been to the, Have you been to this place that he's talking about, Marshall? Ilavash is the place. I highly recommend it. No, I, I wanted to go there. It's one of the places I, I wanted to go to, um, but I didn't get a chance to go. Uh, we were kind of like running out of time. This is what this but, shit look, looks like. Look at this shit. It's not the. It's not the only place that looks like that. It is. No, it looks. Nah, that's. Hey, it's not for you. It's for people watching. This is this is Haiti, everybody. Oh, Believe it or not. Oh my yeah, god. The Haiti is filled with that. Haiti's yeah. filled with that. Um, so your turn. What you got? So I would say like Okap, if which is Capaisian. It used to be the gem, but like now what they've done to like the whole strip is they've turned the strip. Like literally, the city is on. It's pretty much like a beach city. Like it's almost like real. Like you literally, the whole thing is like a strip. But unfortunately, now the beach in downtown is literally like a landfill. Like and so, a lot. I mean, uh huh. I'm sorry. Um, a lot of the trash actually flows. Like I, we went to this remote, smaller peninsula cl- closer to uh closer to the um to uh what do you call it um. Oh man, the the castle, and we went out to the island to this remote island, and all you saw was like blue, just like that. And then all of a sudden, like when we got closer to the island, you started seeing this weird kind of like influx of like trash and debris coming from Okap. And so that area in northern in northern uh, Haiti, it's as beautiful as it is. It's like the whole trash situation is really effing it up. I would know to the peninsula. You know, the peninsula where Jacmel is located, all the Jacmel right now, it's not as beautiful as it used to be. They've trashed the hell out of it too. Yeah. Like the peninsula where Jeremy is, where Okap is. I mean, and now, um, what's the other place? I forgot. Uh, that uh, is where you have, yeah, is where you have like the natural, um, you have the, a lot of natural formations. Bastien Bleu. The, Bastien the Bleu. You've been yeah. to Bastien Bleu? Well, yeah, that's what they just said. In the, Ralph just said in the comments, Bastien Bleu. Yeah, Bastien Bleu. 
Bastien Bleu, I showed you the video. It's so because of because of the uh, uh, the sediment um, under underneath the water, right? We have like these waterfalls. Uh, it's like it's like sky blue. It's crazy. Like yeah. you have like lush jungle all all uh, surrounding you. Seventy. It's beautiful. There's two like there's literally two waterfalls. And I send you some videos. I mean, I can send it. I can send you some more. No, but I, yeah, I got you. And then that whole peninsula, you have like a lot of the farms are located there. They have one of like the um, the nicest caves in the world. Um, I forgot what some what it's what what particular type of cave it is, but um, yeah. have you seen? Have you? Have yeah. You seen? So the cave that you're talking about, um, I forgot the name of the town, but the cave that you're talking about is the caves that. Uh, when they were fighting the French way back then, they used that to kind of escape and hide in. And at night, they would come out and attack again. And I, um, we'll be I just put up, I just put up the picture of Boston Blue so y'all can see. That's yeah. it. I jumped, I jumped from, uh, yeah, from from that from the peak up there. It Me was too. Crazy. In my dreams. I, I stayed, I stayed at the shallow end. I, I wasn't going anywhere near that thing. <laughs> oh, for real? Oh, yeah. Crazy. Hold on, now, listen, Harold. Don't tell me you're one of the motherfuckers that can't swim. I can't swim. Oh my Whoa. god! <laughs> Holy shit! I can't swim. This is though. colorism I, at its finest. A, a lot of islanders, a lot of Haitians that don't know how to swim. Yeah, they don't know how to swim. I'm one of them. <laughs> I'm what not the, from the listen, island. Listen, man, if I'm running from your police ass, I'm jumping in some water. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I call for backup. <laughs> call me, Mike. Get Michael Phelps in here. <laughs> <laughs> so, on to the next question. I can't swim. Nope. And, I ain't gonna and, lie. And, and, in your opinion, Harold, is there a Haitian yeah. movie that encapsulate, uh, kind of encapsulates, encapsulates uh, um, I, your culture? What is it? Uh, I love an, an American love, Haitian movie. American Haitian movie. Um, an American nah, movie I'm, that I, has Haitians in it. Sorry, let me put it that way. Not an American. I don't even know what an American Haitian movie is. Um, nothing that comes up to the top of my mind. I mean, we have that. What is it? Uh, that movie that had uh, Will Smith and thing. Those were fake Haitians. Bad Boys Two. Yeah. Bad Boys Two. Oh yeah. That was, no, no. Listen, listen. That, that one dude. That one bald dude was Haitian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was, yeah. was Everybody with the dreads was, was bullshit, but the one Haitian dude. Um, yeah. They got me, man. That dude was Haitian. That motherfucker was Haitian as shit. And he said it because no, he had the accent down packed. I really don't know. But he didn't have the accent. I did say the same thing. I was like, yo, is he he's Haitian? So he can, yo, but uh, yo, Harold, Harold, so first of all, Bad Boys 2 yeah. was in Miami. No, Marshall. Really. Marshall got a Miami story for your ass, boy. Oh, <laughs> my God. Yeah, I was in Little Haiti, man. Oh, man. So, <laughs> I almost got killed. I honestly thought I could have died. Um, so, you know, I, I, listen, I mean, I, I, was, I was there with, I was rollerblading, number one. That's the oh. first problem. I was rollerblading. That's Haitian flag number one. Haitians don't rollerblade. And, and like, no shirt, right? It was the time when I was trying out for, like, the FIU football team. And, you know, I thought I was like, you know, I had thought I had swag. I was just minding my business, rollerblading into to visit my cousin in Little Haiti. I was wearing like no shirt, some rip like Ricky Martin jeans. <laughs> and then I saw this cat like on this on this Snoop Dogg bike. And what by Snoop Dogg bike, I mean, like with the handles all high painted like uh, gold. Right. With like some dreads. And he's like 
and he he's like, "What you is, boy?" And I'm like, "Thinking what I is?" <laughs> I was just whipping him the whole time, and like not knowing, you know what I'm saying? I'm just like, whatever. I didn't set up thing of not knowing where I was. I mean, I knew where I was, but I just thought I was just, you know, I was like a dude. So, and and then he called his boys. He made some kind of like cuckoo or something like that, and his boys showed up, like rolled up on me. At that point, I was, Leggy. I thought I was, and it, if it wasn't for my my cousin, who was just like, oh no no, the ice the ice the ice stop to stop it, I probably yeah, I probably would have died. Uh, and the reason until some back, you know, the backstory of that is is that apparently I didn't know during the time that the Cubans and the Haitians didn't get along because the Cubans. Um, have you know have uh, asylum in in Haiti, right? They get a pass when they come in. So yeah. like when they both the Cubans and the Haitians are in the in the raft on the raft and they they get to the shore, they usually tend to send the Haitians back and they keep the Cubans. Yeah, and so, it's like was it? It's like Chris Rock said, if, if uh, Elian Gonzalez's ass would have been Elian Lamumbo, that would have pushed that <laughs> boat right back in the water. Right, right, right. And so, yeah, and so I, I didn't even know that. And so they thought, naturally, they assumed that I was Cuban because I was light-skinned. Uh, and, yeah, and so it took me speaking Creole to get the dude to, you know, like to back off. Real Creole, Harold. Oh, come on. Come on, man. <laughs> my Creole um, got good. My, guy, my Creole got really good. So listen, we got, uh, three, we, got, we got three questions. Actually, before that... Um, have y'all seen Serpent in the Rainbow? Marshall, I know you have. Harold? Serpent in the Rainbow. Uh, you haven't seen this, you ain't Haitian, goddammit. I'll end this whole fucking podcast right now. What, what are you <laughs> Serpent in the Rainbow? I, what are you talking about? You've seen it. Do you know, do you know, did, did you ever see um, July, did you ever see, uh, what is it, July 4th? What kind of Independence Day? Sorry, not July Fourth. Independence, Independence Day. Day. Yeah, he, yeah, that yeah, dude yeah. is in Independence Day. Bill Pullman. What the fuck? Yeah, and so the guy, the president in Independence Day, whatever his name is, he's the guy. He's the main character in in the movie. Okay, okay, okay. You never yeah. seen it, Harold? No, the, the title sounds familiar. Hold on, let me put. This is it right here. See that? Serpent in the Radio. I'm. I don't know. Don't. Don't. Don't look familiar. Yo, so I'm. I'm craving a remake of this fucking movie, Serpent. In the so Serpent in the Rainbow. I mean, Marshall's seen it, but it's about uh voodoo powder. They blow in your face, and it makes you uh, look like you're dead, and they yeah. bury you, and they actually literally have to bury you with a bell so you come up. That shit's 100 percent true. Um, yeah, it is. The 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 powder is based on because the sto- the movie is based on a true story. It's done by Wes Craven, who did Freddy. Um, Serpent in the Rainbow, the voodoo powder, and, and half the movie is actually chased. Uh, follows them finding the ingredients for it. A big part of the ingredients is blowfish. If people don't know, yep. in, in Japan, if you eat blowfish and you die, they have to wait six days to bury you. Because you might not be dead, and the machines actually can't tell if you're Great. dead or not. So in the beginning of the movie *Serpent and Rainbow*, there's a dude being buried while his tears are coming out of his eyes. And this was 1988. It's a great, it's a great movie. It's in actually filmed in Haiti, and um, Bill Pullman is who Marshall's talking about, who's in um, fucking *Independence Day*, who who actually um, is in that movie *Serpent and the Rainbow*. Great movie. Most Haitians have seen it. Haitians from Brooklyn have not. 
Yo, fun yeah. fact, you're paralyzed. It paralyzes you, apparently. And then it does, like, yeah, it reduces, the, like, your heartbeat to, like, heartbeat, yeah. to the point where you don't know that someone's alive. But yeah. I think, so it, does barely, it doesn't give you a pulse. But the thing is that you feel everything, actually. So it's, like, yeah. the worst thing ever. Because it's not like you're a paraplegic where you don't feel anything. You literally feel everything, but you just can't move. Like, so it's kind of crazy. I've... Uh, when I when I heard about it, I did my research on it. I was like, "Oh yeah. shit, I have him with this kind of." Ocean. Oh yeah, it, 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 it's so, real. But once again, that comes back to uh, an, an idea of of where we had a better, you know, relationship with the Earth and what it provides us and what we can take from it. Like people look at it like it's oh, it's black magic, but it's just regular natural shit, and people knew about it, and we don't know about it, and and that's what it comes down to at the end of the day. Yeah, that that um. The whole powder thing, that's all, I mean, you have to be almost like a chemist. You have to, that it's that powder from the blowfish, and you have to mix it just enough so that it gives that person that kind of like, you know, it won't kill them. If enough of it will kill you, but if you give them enough, it'll paralyze you and you'll feel like you're dead. So a lot of it, a lot of Haitians, when somebody would be, they wouldn't know if they were possessed, they would just put them in a box and bury them. So that's why they, when they bury people now, they bury them in cement. They they put them in walls and cement it so that they don't come out, you know, because they used to think that people would be possessed and they'll come out. And well, that motherfucker might be alive. You know. <laughs> I know that's up. That's the worst thing. You I know. Can oh, you dead, dead oh, now. Yeah. I don't give a fuck if you alive or not. What the but, fuck? But that's, that's what kind of shit is that? They, they didn't want you. They didn't want you to come out being in that vegetative state, so they want to make sure that you. If you we're gonna bury you. We're gonna bury you and make sure you're not. You're not. You're not being Listen, man. I don't even know. I don't even know back. if I can take your opinion now, man. You ain't even seen Serpent in the Rainbow, man. I mean, I haven't seen Serpent of Rainbow, but I've I've been exposed. I mean, my my I mean. I've, did did you get the powder practices. blown in your face? Is that what you're saying? Nah, I've never had powder blown in my face, but I was. <laughs> I, I mean, Marshall, have you been have you had powder blown? Have your you been face? powdered, Marshall? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, he's seen Serpent of the Rainbow. He doesn't have the like fall victim your face. shit. <laughs> nah, but I mean, like my 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 like growing up in. Like my my mother would be like, Joe, I don't ever want you to go outside because there would be stories about people walking in like like those those long stilts, and they would go around and just blow powders, and then before you know it, you'd be possessed. They would say, "Bro, that you shit's I mean? legit in the movie. Like you need to watch yeah. the movie tomorrow." Two more yeah, questions nothing. for the night, as we've already broken the record for the longest episode. What are the Haitian stereotypes of Black Americans? Blum. Oh my gosh! It's like you've heard of it. It's all in the world. Um, pretty much, uh, they're just you know they're Blum. Blum. stupid, lazy, um, bums, bums. Yeah, um, you know the, it's crazy. This in Haitians in particular, like I said, they've internalized a lot of a lot of like hatred, hatred just for you know skin color and everything. They use they actually use the same kind of like racial epithets towards like their own kind so like a lot of macaque when you for you know this a lot of people know this it's like don't be a macaque right like what yeah like uh macaque just means a monkey but they constantly call you like they'll call you like you're a monkey you know like if a white person ever called you a monkey you'd like punch him in the face uh or like those are fighting words right but families will tell you like macaque um and so, like, African-Americans, I would say, like, the one thing, it's like, I can't, 
my aunt has probably said that more than you know more than anything. Gare makaksa kapmashi, right? Like look at this look at this monkey that's walking, right? Especially if you got that's why you you're you're walking like a certain way, and you know like you're you know you're, you're doing that the limp, especially like in early '90s limp. Yeah, gare makaksa like kapmashi. That's that is that is probably the worst thing. Uh, and so yeah, it's it's pretty bad. Like. My my mom made sure that I was like, yo, you can't you can't do the walk. She hated it when I first saw hip hop. Hooray! Remember like hip uh, uh, ninety by nature. Yeah, you know, yeah. Like I was like hip hop hooray. Yo, she would she would turn the TV hip hop macaque turn the shit off. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, it was awful. Like that is what they think, or well, what she thought African Americans were. The way that video hip hop hooray with ninety by nature like. The big bubble packets yeah. and all that. No, she was, she was she's not about that. Oh, Harold. Yeah, I mean, the stereotypes. Like I said, my 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 mom was big on like, I, I'm not me, not embarrassing. You always had to go to school. If you didn't go to school, you were a bum. If you uh, if you got called from the teacher or you you're a vacabon. So it was just. Constant like pressure, especially being a first generation Haitian American. I was always you know, so. vacabon, right, Marshall? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Unfortunately. But you know, and 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 then that unfortunately had to be a lot with who you who you hung out with. You know what I mean? So my parents would be like, "Who you who you going outside with? I'm hanging out with such and such across the street. Oh, that bum." I don't want you hanging with that bum, that vacabon that put their pants down below their pants and yeah, don't yeah. like always swearing and stuff like that. So it was, it was embarrassing. But it's, that's why when you meet another Haitian that suffers the same thing that you suffer from, you guys become best friends. You know, Snyder Simeon, my best friend. I remember when he walked into class, this dude had suspenders on with shorts that's hiked up to his thing. His mom came in, his mom came in the class was like, sit in the front, and it was like in front of everybody, and everybody started laughing and clowning him. And I was, I understood where he was coming from because my mom did the same thing when I was in like third grade. You know what I mean? And so it's just like, it's that there's, there's got that, you know, you never want your son or your kid to be, come to come to America and become a failure, you know? And, and if you do become a failure, that's an embarrassment. It goes back to what Marshall was saying. You never want to be embarrassed as a Haitian parent. That's know? true. So I mean, always... to, to be honest, and this isn't just with Haitian parents, but it's with, you know, most minority parents that I've seen, the idea of what they think is a success versus what they think is a failure is just so fucking yeah. wrong. The idea yeah. of what they think is a success is, you know, working for the person that's in charge and stability mm. or perceived stability. That perceived stability yeah. could be $16 an hour and, you know, working fucking 80 hours a week. But what that does is that suppresses your creative genius. You could be a fucking yeah. genius. For all you know, you could be a fucking genius. What are you doing fucking around with them chemicals and goddamn components? You should be working valet. That doesn't make any yeah. fucking sense. Because I get it. Yeah. In your eyes, it's success. But in my eyes, I'm a fucking genius. So how are we supposed yeah. to combat that? I just uh, just gotta find role models, man. That's doing the same thing, that speak the same language. You know, that's why when I do what I do and I teach and I build up the next generation, I want to show them, you know, people that look like them 
that are successful in the field. You know what I mean? And if you don't have that role model, it's hard to kind of be that that warrior in in the family. Because if not, you'll be like, oh, you heard about what happened to their son. He he's a vocable now. He's 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 out. He's, he wants to be an entrepreneur. What the hell's an entrepreneur? Growing up, you either a doctor or a lawyer. Yeah. You know what I mean? And if you're not a doctor or a lawyer, they don't want to hear nothing. What are you going to school for? I told my mom I want to be a doctor, and that's what I was going to school for. And I went to school right. for basketball and criminal justice. She she ain't got time to hear what criminal justice is and all that yeah. stuff. You know what I mean? So, um, you know, you can definitely, if you're a smart Haitian-American, you can definitely play it so that you can articulate it so that they can understand and, and, and buy into it. But it takes some time, man. It takes some time. I get that all the time. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, oh my gosh. Like, okay. Yeah, yeah. That kind of, I just say, I'm saying, on doctor and welfare. On doctor and welfare. Yeah, yeah. On doctor Well, I mean, um, kind of going into the last question of the night, and I mean, I already know that where I'm at is, you know, way more successful than anybody in my family has been mentally and physically. Some people own houses and shit, but the the, the place that I've kind of arrived to mentally, nobody's at in my family. Um, and that's uh, on the step to a level of mental freedom that nobody has in my family. Um, so first and foremost, I say to you guys, you know, you are very, very fucking successful. no matter what people are telling you you are you know like I said everybody on our podcast and uh, on my podcast over the the course of the weeks that I've done and this is the the, the 13th episode is doing something within everything they believe to change the world and um, make it a better place and with that we'll go to the question that is the last question of the night which is um, how do we close the gap between um, these two perceived different races, races, whether it be African or African American or Black in America or Native American or Jamaican or Haitian, how do we make that one? I am. Hold on a second. I can, Aren't you going to get a notebook, nigga? No, no, my. Uh, I need to charge my battery. All right, well, I'm muting your ass, Harold. <laughs> no, 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 I'm right here. I'm right here. I was oh, you, oh, you right here. <laughs> no, so I was gonna say, um, honestly, I think it. We we have to start. You know, I, I heard someone say this a while back. We have to start fighting over masters, right? Uh, it was a great analogy. Um, and always talking about, oh, yeah, well, you know, so-so, you know, Trump, you know, Trump will do this, or or uh, so-so would, you know, Biden will, you know, will give us this. Um, at the end of the day, like, it's really coming together and trying to, trying to get, first of all, you're always going to want to have to create some dialogue, right? And then upon creating that dialogue, you need to come to terms with the things that you need. Like the things that, what's going to advance your people, like your group, and it has to be concrete. And you have to, as a collective, like there's no one stronger than you. I mean, just in the West Coast, like being, I mean, forget just being black. Like if the the Latin, if Latin Americans and 
and blacks have got together, we just pretty much we get anything done. But people are so caught up with like this whole like clan, the clanship. Like you belong to this clan, like I belong to that clan. Like I belong to this group, you belong to this group, and we're so we're so stuck on like, you know, our particular cultures. And I argue with my fiance about this all the time that you miss the bigger picture, like divide and conquer. Like all you really got to do is just okay. What do you need in your in your in your uh, community? Well, you pretty much need the same thing that I need in my community. So all right, so together. What do you need to do? Cultures aside, languages aside, let's find the common ground and then just push through. But unfortunately, I think we're not that enlightened, right? Like it's people that get caught up on like the you know the, the, the stupid stuff, like the, the petty stuff. It's like languages, oh my gosh, like he insulted me and you know, he did this, or like I'm Haitian, you're Mexican, like we're you're different, or like, you know, I'm from I mean, I'll even bring it through like my mother. And short story, my mother, we got into an argument. Hey, hey listen, want... your mo- we, we friends on Facebook. She's going to watch this and fuck you up. I know, she is. No, but, no, but I'm, no, but it's like, <laughs> keep it real though. Like, keeping it real. Like, I, I, we got into this argument about me going, finding a house and settling in Jeremy, which is the end of the peninsula, which is beautiful, beautiful, like, fish town. And she was like, why, why? We don't have any family there. I'm like, we could. What? We, I was like, she's like, yeah, all our families. I'm like, what does it matter? It's like, it's your country. So even within the country, there's this like sense of pride for like a small community that is, is I mean, your country is pretty, it's the poorest country in the Western Hemisphere. It's like, and all you really care about is one little community. One so listen, yo, let me cut you off. Okay. Something as simple as this. You're Haitian. Harold's Haitian. Harold's from Brooklyn. You're essentially from Boston. You're from Haiti, but you're from Boston. So now you're both Haitian. Say so we 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 talk about sports now. You know, Harold, not that he is, but for the most part, should be a Yankees fan. You're a Red Sox fan. That's your first right there instance of separatism without race involved at all. Now I like the Yankees. You like the Red Sox. Now I'm in New York. Fuck Boston. I'm from this neighborhood. You're from that neighborhood. I like this type of music. You like that type of music. You separate yourself from your culture to the point where there's separatism created that has nothing to do with race after you determine your race. So now when you get to the end of it all, like somebody asked me one day, yo, do you watch college football? I said, yo, I don't even give a fuck about sports anymore. I just watch LeBron. And if when LeBron's done, I might be done with sports. Because this shit is so stupid. It's it's creating separatism and it's making people hate a man that's doing everything he can for you to succeed. So now we're hating somebody with the same skin tone as you that went through the same shit as you because he's on a fucking team that somebody created that's a billionaire that's telling you to hate that nigga. Yeah, it's true. And I mean, that's the biggest issue, right? It's like the, what that separatism you're, you're calling, and that yeah, that that longing to to fit into one particular group. It kind of a distances it distances you from just humanity in general, right? And people's humanity and and kind of like this, this the bigger picture. And I and that's what people want, though, right? Like powers that be, like that's generally what people want. It's like all right, so 
you're you're arguing about trifles and you know you really won't you won't get anywhere serious and you won't overthrow us because you're too busy trying you know fighting over stupid things so i think that it's that's the first thing to answer the question is to form a dialogue establish really kind of some commonality right and then once you've established that commonality just you know come together and just throw like the stupid culture stuff like all that is arbitrary anyways like what does it like you can make it you what the hell you can kind of denounce like your cultures and become something entirely if you want something else entirely well, I, well, 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 well with that being said I will say that if everybody puts their culture on the table Haiti Africa Jamaica Cape Verde you're going to see a lot of similarities I'll tell you that right now without quite, even like I said I've been to Colombia there was Africans in Colombia yeah. all of those cultural things are going to seem so similar that you'll be able to open the door for those conversations because but but when you're you know when you've created so many flags over so many times it's so fucking hard to get to the table and have those conversations because there's so many distractions in front of you preventing those conversations um Harold what do you think and I'll say the question again how do we close the gap between those two perceived I'll say it like this perceived races of you know black Americans and Haitians I think just uh, it just has to be with dialogue I mean like when my, how I had to how I went about it especially with my organization was just more or less like going out there and, and doing the work that I do but being transparent, knowing that fact that I'm not Haitian, you know, but I also represent this, the culture, you know, I understand the culture. So having that commonality, like Marshall said, where I understand the culture, I'm, I'm here for, for to, to do good. And you're going to get that one or two or three champions to kind of get by your side and help push you. And once you get identify those champions and who, who are going to sit there and be your voice, you you're you're gonna do you know you're gonna go farther than, than you've ever gone. So identifying. So if I if I were to chop it up to keep it short, sweet, identify a champion who has the same personality and same mindset as you, that represents that culture. Work together collaboratively, then go out to where the community are, showcase that commonality and that interaction, and you'll see a change. You see uh, people being more receptive and accepted accepting you and what it is that you're trying to bring to the table um that statement both those statements were perfect and, and kind of what I would take from both those statements um at the end of this episode is to say that from everything we've learned today in this episode is to fucking curb your embarrassment for the people that you actually love and that you think are the people that will help you move forward in the world and put all your shit on the table so that we can compare kind of the experiences that we've been through, the culture that we've experienced, and that we can see that, you know, there's not as many differences as we, as, as one might think there are. And <laughs> there's not some fucking all-encompassing need to please whoever we might, you know, think is in charge. Um, because at the end of the day, you know, we got an educator, a person that owns a nonprofit, and I know I spoke with Jeff, who 
I'm going to have on a future episode is a commercial realtor that's about to open, you know, one of the uh, one of the top first five dispensaries in, in Massachusetts. So in Haitian. So when we kind of encounter and, and take in, into account what everybody is accomplishing and we put that together as one person and, and, and kind of a power circle, we're able to accomplish things that we never thought were possible. Uh, a lot more than, you know, valet parking cars for 30 years because we creating mathematics and creating different aspects, aspects of what the world stands on now are a lot bigger than what we've been told to believe we are. If you got that. You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah. I, I, I'll close the night on that. And fellas, man, you guys definitely delivered and you gave a lot of info and hopefully a lot of people listen to this shit and we move forward because that was definitely a great episode. As long as it's, it, we're, we're going on almost two hours. Thank you guys for joining sure. and thank you for dropping the info that you dropped tonight. Yeah, I just want to get... Yo, listen, um, yo, yo, Ray, I just want to say congratulations, man. This is your 13th episode. Thanks for having me. You're doing wonderful work, man. This is what... This is this this is part of what you're trying to do right here, right? It's to, to, to present this dialogue, break barriers, bring people together, continue doing what you're going to do. You're going to get haters. The more haters, the better. That means you're doing something right and you're doing it great. So keep doing what you're doing. Keep pushing forward. I, I'm supporting you 100%, man. And can I get one of those shirts? What did I get one of those shirts, man? What this, you got to look first of all. You know Doobie. You got to hit him up. All right, that's what's up. He look, he was on your second coming to Charlestown when Donnie beat y'all up. Oh, here we go. <laughs> what you? There we go. You got any clo- You got any closing statements, Marshall? <laughs> But no, I mean, I second that, man. Thanks a lot for the opportunity. It was it's really nice. Um, um, it's good to kind of like air out all the everything that we essentially talk about privately. So it's it's you know I hope I hope now I hope I don't get in trouble. I'm old enough that I don't care about ass whoopings anymore. I'm sending so. this shit to your mom tonight, so you're getting fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, fellas. Have a good night, Marsh uh, and Ralph Nabule. We out. Check the comments. Uh,